kicking off a brand new series tonight. We wrapped up, uh, last week wrapped up a six, seven part series. We've been going through uh, studying the um, and first few weeks of the early church, the uh, first few chapters of the book of Acts. Um, if you miss any of those messages, the majority of them are online. You can listen to Cal from Memphis's uh, podcast or through the website, calfromemphis.org. Uh, listen to those messages, kind of get caught up on those. We're going to kick off a brand new series tonight uh, called True Religion, True Relationship. It'll be a short three-week series that'll take us through the end of the year, uh, dealing with this idea of what is true religion and what does it mean to have a true relationship with God. All right, so first of all, I want to show you guys something. Uh, this here in this envelope is my birth certificate. All right, so this is, this is an ancient document from antiquity. Um, what kind of information is on a birth certificate? Your name? Does it have your social? No. What, what else? Your signature? Uh, where you were born? When you were born? Yeah. Your parents, the doctor? This one doesn't. Yours maybe does. I don't know. But it says where you were born and when you were born. Uh, your name. This one says Matthew Scott Drain, May 9th, 1982, 6.48 p.m., LaGrange, Georgia, West Georgia Medical Center. Uh, birth certificate. Tells you where you were born. I want you guys to, to think about... I should put this in here so to be safe and not... Yeah. Who needs it? What if... I want you guys to think with me uh, tonight. Think with me. So the birth certificate says where and when you were born. If religion had a birth certificate, what would it say? If the idea of religion uh, had a birth certificate, what would it say? Where did it come from? Like I said, we're starting a new series tonight thinking about uh, this important distinction between uh, religion and relationship with God. Uh, And religion, understanding religion to be a belief system, a system of beliefs uh, or, or rules or systems to help you connect with God. Um, and, and comparing, contrasting that with a, a relationship, with truly knowing God. And I want us to start off with thinking, uh, where did religion come from? Just this idea of religion. Where did religion come from? How did it start? If religion had a birth certificate, uh, man, what would it say? What would the place be? What would the date be? Um, and this question, I'll acknowledge, this question is tricky. It's misleading because there are literally thousands of religions uh, all around the world that have existed all throughout human history, right? All different kinds of religions, all different kinds of belief systems, uh, believed by different people in different places throughout different times. Um, you know, so, so again, religion being defined as a system of beliefs and practices to connect us with uh, God or gods or the universe or our ancestors or whatever it may be, right? Um, and so there are polytheistic religions. What does polytheistic religion mean? Multiple gods, so pantheons of gods and goddesses, a belief in, in, in multiple gods. Um, there are some uh, man, Eastern religions, and so, some of those are more like philosophies about man, how to reach a, a higher plane of existence, um, how, to, how to somehow transcend 
um, and the normal human experience. But for our purposes tonight, I want to hone in on specifically uh, monotheistic religion, a belief in, in one God, um, and, and, and something that a lot of the monotheistic uh, religions of the world have in common. Um, you know, many of those, many of those monotheistic religions share a common ancestor in Judaism. Um, a lot of them trace back to, to Judaism, and they've either grown from that or, or somehow borrow heavily from that. Um, and so, so picking up with uh, Christianity. So Christianity builds heavily on the foundation that was laid by Judaism, believing that all of Judaism's systems and processes were fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus uh, I mean, didn't do away with went what went before. He completed it. He fulfilled it. Um, it still matters. You know, so your Bible has both the, the Old uh, and the New Testament. You know, for Christianity, the teachings of Jesus don't just exist in a vacuum, right? They're, they're a completion, a fulfillment of what God had already been doing without, for thousands of years through, uh, through the Jewish people, and then it's fulfilled, it's completed uh, in Jesus. You know, so a proper, a proper understanding of Christianity uh, is how the person and work of Jesus Christ fulfilled what God had already been doing uh, through Judaism and, and encompassing everything that came before it. Uh, and so the, this Judeo-Christian uh, worldview, this Christian religion, I mean, it has its own uh, offshoots. It has its own and different, different sects and groups and other religions that borrow heavily from it. So uh, and Mormonism borrow, borrows heavily from uh, Christianity. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses borrow heavily from Judeo-Christianity. Um, and even, even, the, more, uh, even the, the Islamic religion uh, borrows heavily from Judaism and Christianity, even believing that it is its, somehow its own third completion of, of, of what God had begun to do through, uh, through, through Abraham and, and, and the Jewish people. Um, so so there, it has different offshoots, different, different, there's different groups that have, have borrowed from these kind of ideas, some of them uh, twisting, manipulating, changing it uh, for, for their own purposes, um, but borrowing heavily from this initial foundation that was laid. So if we're to trace this foundation all the way back to its beginnings, though, when and where would we say that it started? What would its birth certificate say? Um, where would we say that religion is born, right? The day that religion was born, where are we? When are we? Um, as I said before, a proper way to understand Christianity uh, is, is that, that Jesus has fulfilled what came before. And a proper understanding of Christianity, and you guys may have heard it put this way before, um, what makes it different from every other religious system on the planet is whereas every other, every other religious system is about um, the things that I can uh, do or believe to please God, things that I can do to get to God, what makes Christianity distinct is it is instead about what God has already done to get to us, right? But we, but we accept by faith what God has already done. That's what makes Christianity uh, distinct, different from every other religion on the planet. Yes, there are still rules. Yes, there are still systems, but it's in that context of, and God already did everything for us, right? We just accept it by faith. Um, and so, so these, these rules, these systems work within a context of a relationship with God, uh, with having faith in what Jesus did and having a relationship with God. Um, these rules and systems work together and they should never be emphasized over having that personal uh, relationship with God. Um, and if you don't know, if no one's ever told you, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to know you personally, intimately. God's not a, a far-off being in the cosmos that is detached, that doesn't care about you, that doesn't care about your life. Uh, he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Um, and as I said, whereas every other religious system, 
its beliefs, its systems, its rules, its, its, its regulations are about what we can do to get to God. Christianity is about what God did to get to us. Um, what he did for us by sending his son, Jesus. Um, by, by, by Jesus, son of God, fully God, uh, stepping into human history, becoming a human being to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, to, to live as an example for us, the perfect life that not a single one of us could ever live, uh, and then to die on the cross, uh, taking the punishment we deserve for everything we ever done wrong so that God could forgive us. Um, that's, what, that's what God has done for us in Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. After being crucified, Jesus didn't stay dead. But three days later, God raised him from the dead, uh, conquering death, offering eternal life to us forever when we put our trust in him. We believe in him. You know, if we look at the narrative of Scripture, going back to the very beginning, um, we see with God's very first interactions with human beings that it's always been about relationship. From day one, it's always been about relationship. Going back to our, our first parents, the very first human beings, going back to Adam, um, we see a picture in the Bible of, of God walking around with Adam in the garden, right? And how awesome would it be to be able to, to, to see that, to hear those conversations? What do they talk about, right? God and Adam walking around in the garden, checking out creation. What, what do they talk about? What are those discussions like? And we see, we see God have a personal relationship with the very first human being. Um, we see a personal relationship with Noah, where God speaks to Noah and gives him instructions on how man, his family can escape judgment uh, and, and really preserve humanity uh, going forward after the flood. Um, we see a God that is deeply relational and personal to Abraham. Now, Abraham's God's friend, right? How many of us can say that, that God's our friend? Um, but Abraham was a friend of God. God makes a covenant, a promise to Abraham, speaks to Abraham, uh, has, has a relationship, a covenant with him, and then also his children. Uh, Isaac and, and Jacob, man, they experience this, this personal walk with God. So God, from the very beginning, has been a, a relational God, a personal God. It's not, it's not been just about rules to follow. Before there was ever even a single rule, uh, man, it was, about, it was about relationship. It was, it was about, man, man I, want, I want to know you. I want you to know me. Uh, and I want us to live together. Um, God's desire has always been for closeness and for intimacy. It's human beings that want to keep God at arm's length. It's human beings that want to keep God at a distance. Um, and, and, and part of the way we keep God at a distance is through religion. It's through the, these rules, these regulations, these hoops we jump through and make other people jump through. Uh, that we think, man, that, that's going to please God. Uh, and it's things that I can do, I can, have, I can play a part, um, but, but it also functions, man, without, without being in the context of relationship, is it holds God at a distance, it keeps God away. Um, we downplay the relationship side of things that really give God glory uh, for his grace towards us, and instead we focus pridefully on what we can do to earn God's favor. You know, when it's all about the rules, when it's all about the and systems, what, we, what can we do to please God, what can we do to earn God's favor um, and, and also we find loopholes that help us maintain autonomy where we can still kind of do what we want, but then also check off all the right boxes where, okay, you know, we make, can make God happy too, right? Um, so th this, is, this is the human heart. This is what we do. God says, man, I want you near. Man, I, I want to be your father. I want you to be my children. I want you to crawl on my lap. I want, I want to share life with you. And we say, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, and I, I like to do my own thing. I want a little bit of autonomy. Um, man, and I'll, I'll jump through certain hoops, right? I'll follow certain rules. Um, but, but that close relationship, man, we don't like that. And we keep, we keep God at arm's length. And we get a perfect picture of this heart of mankind to push God away in the text that we're looking at tonight. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Exodus. Also, um, and Scripture is going to be up there as well. But it's going to be Exodus. We're going to pick up in chapter 6. And to set it up a little bit, uh, the Israelites, God's people, have been in captivity 
serving as slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. But God's going to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt uh, and make them a nation of people set apart for himself. Um, so, so God is speaking to Moses. He, he's given him this plan. I'm going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt through signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, and this is what he says to him in Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says, Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my people and I will be your God. Yours may say, you will be my people and I will be your God. Um, you know, so so God, God has, has, has chosen this nation of people, a uh, nation of slaves, and says, man, I want to call you out of your slavery, out of your bondage, and I want to make you mine. I'm going to claim you as my people. I'll be yours and you be mine forever. And th- this isn't the picture of a God that is a distant, faraway creator. This isn't some unknowable force out in the cosmos. This is a personal God, a relational God that says, I'll be yours and you'll be mine forever. That's what I want. Um, I want a people unto myself to have relationship with uh, that will belong to me. And God does what he says. He delivers the Israelites from captivity uh, through miracles and signs and wonders. He leads them into the wilderness uh, on the way to the land that he's prepared for them. Uh, And then God then initiates a covenant that would bind him together, an agreement um, a promise, a contract that would forever bind him to these people. Um, a, a promise that he's going to make. He says, if you, if you fulfill these things, if you do these things, I'll be your God forever. You will be my people forever. And so God appears to the people to make this promise, to make this covenant. God appears on a mountain. Again, they're out in the wilderness. So you guys can kind of picture it in your mind's eye. They're out in the wilderness. They're there at a mountain. Uh, there's no big cities around, no, no street lights. Uh, it's, just, it's just the people and a mountain, and God. The way the, the, the writer of Exodus describes it, uh, the, the mountain, as God descends upon it, is covered in smoke. Um, there's flashes of lightning. There's crashes of thunder. The ground itself is shaking, and the people are terrified. I would be too, right? Um, to, see it, to see a mountain enveloped in smoke, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and the ground is shaking. Um, and, and the God that wants to be personal has come near to them, and the people are terrified. They're terrified. And right after the Lord delivers to them the Ten Commandments, it's in Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to pick up, God delivers them the Ten Commandments, uh, and then the Bible records this response from the people. Exodus chapter 20, picking up in verse 18. Exodus 20, 18. It says, When the people saw the thunder... And the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke. They trembled in fear. Again, I would also be trembling in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The people are terrified, right? They keep their distance. 
Uh, they say, Moses, you communicate to God for us, right? You go talk to God. We don't want God to talk to us directly anymore. This is too scary. Uh, you go be a mediator for us. You talk to God. You tell us what God says. We'll obey whatever rules. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. Um, but we, we want a mediator. We want, we want a, an extra step between us and God. We're going to keep our distance. Twice in this passage, it tells us the people kept uh, their distance. Um, and Moses says, man, you don't need to be afraid, or even if you are afraid, that's a good thing. Um, it's good for you to have a healthy fear, reverence, respect for God that's going to keep you from sinning. Uh, but God wants you near. God wants you near. God wants relationship. Uh, man, man don't, don't be so afraid that, that, you, that you push God away, but, but, but man, channel that fear and, and let, it, let it be man, a healthy respect that keeps you from sinning instead. Um, but the people say... Uh, Man, you be our go-between. We don't want to deal with God directly anymore. You speak to God for us and just tell us what he says and we'll obey it. And this is, this is, the, this is how we want to do things. Um, and again, we're told that they remain at a dis- distance. That's the heart that we see here. Dealing directly with God is terrifying. Uh, so instead, give us clear directions to follow. You speak to God for us. We'll keep a safe distance. Uh, and then God does proceed there to deliver to Moses this covenant, these Uh, these laws, these rules for the people to fulfill uh, and obey, Uh, new rules, new regulations. He instates a priesthood, Uh, so a a collection of of men that would serve uh, God on behalf of the people, Uh, mediators that would serve the Lord on the people's behalf. Now, does this mean that the law that God delivers to Moses uh, and this religious system that was established was a response to the people saying, no, 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 God, we want to keep you at a distance, no, not necessarily. And it's always God's plan to, to deliver the, the law to the people. The law is important. Romans tells us, man, that the purpose of the law is to expose our own sinfulness and our need for a Savior. Right? So the law was always going to be delivered. Right? The law is not just a response uh, to, the people, to the people saying, God, we want you at a distance. And like there is some alternative uh, solely relationship apart from a law where they're just going to run with God through fields of flowers or something. Um, I mean, the law was always going to come, right? The law was always going to come, man, to expose that, that, man, we don't measure up to God and we deeply need a Savior. Um, and there's always going to be a sacrificial system, right? So part of the law is, is, how, is how they could sacrifice animals to have their sins forgiven. And that always needed to be a part of the plan as well so that the people's sins could be atoned for uh, until, until God sent the Savior, until God sent Jesus to be that once and for all sacrifice to them. There was always going to be a law. There's always going to be a sacrificial system. There's always going to be priests uh, that, that, that can serve and, and foreshadow the, the high priest that we would have in Christ, the, the once and for all priest that would uh, stand before God and intercede for us, and which is exactly what Jesus is doing now. The, the risen Jesus, the living Jesus is in heaven interceding for you. If you don't know that, the Bible tells us God is praying for you. He's interceding for you. Uh, and Jesus is our mediator, our high priest, mediating uh, for you. So there, man, there's always going to be a law to expose our sin. There's always going to be a sacrificial system to kind of be foreshadowing of that once and for all sacrifice Jesus would make. Uh, there's always going to be a priesthood, um, again, again, to foreshadow how Jesus would be our high priest. So it's not like the people invented the Jewish religion on this day. Um, and, and it's not that, that God, man, delivering this system of rules was just a response to their request. Um, it was always the plan of God. But this text does give us man, a picture of the human heart uh, that wants to keep God at a distance and that will take religion and use it to hold God at arm's length. 
says, yeah, just give us rules. We know they're coming anyway. This is about the time, right, that, that, that we, we start a new religion and you give us rules and regulations. We're ready for that part. We're, we're not ready for the God came near part. We, let's, let's skip ahead to the rules. You know, we can check off our boxes and we can feel good about ourselves, right? So, so it's not that these human beings invented religion, man. That, man the, the system came directly from God. But, but we see a picture of the heart of humans that may want to use religion, uh, and what we call legalism, uh, just following the rules without the relationship, right? Without, without trusting what Jesus did, but, but man, just give us the rules. Just, give, just tell us what we need to do. Um, this is what we see here. Uh, the human heart wants to keep God at a distance. It wants to place a mediator uh, between us and them. And you know, maybe the mediator for you is a, man, it's a, having a pastor or a priest, you know, that can pray to God for you, uh, says, man, hey, hey, here's the things going on in my life. Would you pray for me for these kind of things? Now, let me tell you, Jackie and I love to pray for you. Christina, man, you tell her, you tell her something to pray for, she's going to pray for you, right? But that doesn't need to be a substitute for you going to God in prayer. And, and we're always going to tell you that you need to be bringing that to the Lord in prayer as well. Um, I'm going to pray for you. I love to pray for you. Man, you got a prayer request, text me, call me. Man, I'll drop everything. I'll pray right then and there. Um, but, but don't let that be the only time you talk to God, right? Don't let, don't let a pastor, a priest, be, uh, be a mediator that, that keeps you from having the personal relationship God wants to have with you. When Jackie and I were young adults pastors in Knoxville, um, I drove my students crazy uh, by repeating this one sentence uh, whenever they would come to me with a, with a complaint, with an issue in their life. And I've kinda, I don't say it as much anymore because it really got on their nerves and I was, I was noticing that. But when a student would come to me and then they would... They'd have an issue in their life, and they'd be venting, they'd be complaining. I would listen to a point, and then I would say basically the same thing. I would say, that's very interesting. And what did God say when you prayed about that? Of course. <laughs> so they, they would get mad at me. So I don't, I don't say that quite as much, but, but you, you know what's in there, right? If, you, if, if we're talking, you know, know that that's, that's behind my eyeballs. That's, back, that's what's going on in my mind. Um, man, one particular student, and his name's John, he wouldn't mind me sharing this story. Uh, he was having car trouble. He needed a vehicle to get to class, get to work. You guys ever been without a car? Needing a car? Some of you guys need a car right now. Um, J- John needed a car, and, and so he, man, he's telling me about it. He's telling me about, man, I can't get to work. I can't get to class. I can't do all these things that I need to do. I really need a car. And I said, man, that's really, man, man I hear you, John. That's really interesting. Man, what, what did God say when you prayed about it? How's God leading you as you pray about this car situation? Uh, he didn't pray about it. I knew he didn't pray about it, right? So, um, he said, well, let's stop everything. Let's just, let's just pray about it. Let's just ask God what he wants you to do. And we took some time to pray. And then John on his own took some time to pray. Uh, and the next time I saw John, just, just three or four days later, he said, guess what? God worked out that whole car situation. Really? He did? And uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I, uh, man, I was praying about it. And then, and then one day mom and dad just came to me out of the blue. Uh, he does not have the mom and dad that would normally do this kind of thing. But they said, hey, we, we saw that you needed a car to get to school, to get to work. So we are uh, buying a new family car, and you're getting hand-me-downs um, in the, the old family car, so you've got some transportation. Praise the Lord, right? And God heard his prayer, and God worked. Um, again, I don't mind praying for you, but, but man, I, man I, can't be, I can't be the mediator for your own personal relationship with God. I um, mean, God hears your prayers. God wants to, wants to dialogue with you in prayer. He wants to communicate with you in prayer. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the ways we keep God at arm's length. You know, my pastor will pray for me. And then he'll, he'll tell me, I don't have to read the Bible for myself because he'll tell me all the things that I need to know. And that's one of the ways we kind of hold God at a distance. Um, maybe it's having rules to follow so we can uh, man, man, check them off and feel good about ourselves. Uh, that, that it's a way for, for our consciences, it's a way for us to, 
kind of, kind of feel like we're doing a little bit better at life, say, man, uh, I've said no to all the right things, and I've said yes to all the right things. I've, man, man, I've done all these kind of things, uh, and, and these rules become a way for us to kind of get a little prideful and just feel good about ourselves. And a substitute for and actually knowing God and having a relationship with Him, say, man, well, if I just keep all these kind of rules, I don't really have to know God. I don't have to have a relationship with God um, if, I, if I just do these kind of things. You know, this was part of the reason uh, that Jesus had a really difficult time with religious people. As you're reading through the Gospels, uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, reading about Jesus uh, dealing with people, um, he had a really difficult time with, uh, with people that were religious, with people that that, that followed all the rules and, and were involved in all the systems uh, to, to, to know God and to please God. Uh, non-religious people, man, they got it. They wholly embraced Jesus and this idea of being made right with God totally just by faith, just by trusting in Jesus to save them. They're like, man, so, so I can be forgiven of everything I've done wrong, right? And I can be made right with God and I just need to, to trust in you. Okay, sign me up. I'm there, right? But for, but for religious people, people that had all their life been, been trying to follow every rule, trying to dot every I and cross every T, been trying to do everything perfect so God would accept their life. This idea of, of, of grace received freely by, by faith in Jesus, that's too radical for them, right? That, that's, too, that's too, what? What? No. No, I, I've kept a lot of rules, right? I've got this long list of rules that I've been keeping my whole life. Uh, man, and, and you're telling me that, that, that I missed it. Uh, and so, so religious people, man, they, they rejected Jesus. They, they didn't embrace that. It was difficult for them to understand that. They were so accustomed to trying to earn the favor of God with their rules and traditions. I mean, what, what we today would call legalism. You know, so if I use the word uh, legalism, I mean uh, being involved in a religious system apart from the, the, the faith and the personal relationship where you're just following rules to make yourself feel better um, and, rather than uh, man, obeying God flowing out of a, a trust in Jesus and a loving relationship with God. Um, and Jesus' Jesus's message of grace by faith, it was too radical for them to accept. Uh, because legalism deals with the outward stuff, with our behavior. Um, I mean, it changes how we behave, how we talk, how we act. Um, but it doesn't deal with internal things. It can't change your heart, right? So, so just trying to follow a list of rules is never going to change your inward desires. It's never going to change your heart. Uh, this is what Jesus said to um, and so, some of these religious people in Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 39 through 40. Luke 11, he's speaking to the Pharisees. Again, the Pharisees were uh, people that were deeply devoted to God, but they're, and they're very religious, and they're very serious about which rules they followed. And they would even <laughs> go so far as to add extra rules. Like, there's plenty of rules. If you guys have, have read, uh, man, read the law, read the first few books of the Bible and seen the law, uh, d- 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 that was delivered through Moses to God's people, there were plenty of rules already. These guys loved rules so much, they added to them. They said, man, we can do better than that. Well, let's add extra rules and extra rules, and we'll pile them up so no one could ever follow them, right? But then the Pharisees took pride in how many of these, these rules they could follow, both the ones God actually gave and the extra ones they made up. Um, they're really proud. They, they, would, they would have this prideful attitude towards those that couldn't follow the law. They would find little loopholes where they could technically obey the law but still kind of do what they wanted to do, Right? This is what legalism is all about. So Jesus confronts him here in Luke chapter 11. He says, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of a cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. He says, You fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? Jesus says, What you guys are doing by just following rules is, is you're polishing, making clean 
uh, the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is still filthy. What part of the cup is important to be clean? I mean both, but especially the inside, right? Especially the inside where, where the liquid's going to be or for a dish, especially the inside where the food's going to be. So says you guys are so focused on outward, external stuff, but you're missing the heart issues. Just keeping rules is never going to change your heart. It's never going to change your desires, and it's never going to make you right with God. That only comes by faith. And that only comes by, man, entering a relationship with God by faith. Um, and, and all you're doing, man, you're, you're cleaning up the outside, but inside it's still filthy. It's still yuck. Elsewhere in the Gospels, he says they're like whitewashed graves, whitewashed sepulchers, so clean graves, so polished and beautiful and ornate and clean on the outside and inside is death, is emptiness. Thomas, uh, I went with my son on a field trip uh, to the Elmwood Cemetery um, and, and down, down the street here. If you guys haven't been, man, it's, it's gorgeous. There, there's monuments, uh, there are graves. Um, but this is what Jesus compares religious people to. You're like a really pretty tombstone, right? You're like a really pretty, pretty grave. That You look nice on the outside, but inside is death. Inside is, is rot and decay and no life at all. This is what Jesus says. Hey, religious people, you're dead inside, right? If, if for you it's all about the rules, but you don't have a relationship with God, if for you it's all about, man, I'm going to do all the right things, but I don't really know God personally, then Jesus says you're dead inside. You're dead inside. He says you're, you're like a cup uh, that's really clean, really clean on the outside. This one's not clean on the outside or inside. Um, so I've got this Chi Alpha cup here. And uh, on, the way to, uh, on the way to campus tonight, I rolled it around in the dirt outside. So it is both, it's both dirty outside and inside. It's pretty gross. Um, so I'm going offer, to offer this cup to, to, to David here to drink out of. And, and so let's say that I, I got some Clorox, a Clorox wipe here. I'm going to really clean well the outside of this cup. I'm going to get it shut. Look, it was originally a white cup. Uh, once all that dirt is off, you can see that again. And it is really clean. And I'm going to really get in there good. I'm going to get all the dirt off the outside, okay? And so, where's my water bottle? I'm going to offer David a drink, right? Um, because, because I cleaned the outside. I got it really looking good. Anyone would say, man, that is a good-looking, clean cup, Right? Right? And so I'm going to pour David some water. Is he going to have any interest in drinking this water? Don't, don't drink it. Do not drink it. Don't drink it. It's nasty, right? I'm, I'm, if I tilt it, it'll spill. But uh, it's gross in there. It's gross in there. Jesus says, this is all your religion does. Man, it cleans the outside, but the inside, what really matters is still filthy and gross. The only way to clean the inside is by faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in what Jesus did on the cross to clean us up. Um, it's by having a relationship with God where the Holy Spirit uh, is inside of us, changing our heart, changing our desires. Um, he says, man, man th- this is what I want for you. This is what I want for you, to have a transformed heart. Not just a transformed outside, because, man, anybody can follow rules. But I want you to have a transformed inside, a transformed heart, a heart that is, is clean and is beautiful and more beautiful than the outside. Right? That's what God wants to do for us. Um, religion by itself is empty. Religion by itself, without faith, without relationship, religion is about God, without God. About God, without God. God wants relationship. He wants personal intimacy. And for us, if it's only about the religion, if it's only about the rules, we've missed out on relationship, we, we've got something that is all about God, and God's not anywhere in it. And inside, we're still filthy. Inside, and it's, it's death inside. Um, that's not what God wants. 
That's not what God wants for any of you. And so what about the rules? What about God's law? Because there definitely are rules, right? Like if if you're going to read your Bible, there definitely are rules. There's systems. There's things to to believe and to understand about the Lord. There's things that we should do and things not to do. Um, And there's definitely still rules. They are still important. But we don't earn God's favor. We don't earn God's mercy by following those rules. We obey God in response to what he's already done for us in Jesus. We obey God because he, he's loved us, he's been merciful to us, he's saved us, and because of the grace and mercy he's already shown us, we obey, man, in response to that, out of, out of a loving relationship, out of the loving relationship between a father and his children, right? That because dad loves me, man, I, I want to I live in a way that pleases him. Not that me obeying all these rules is going to make him love me. No, he already loves you. He already loves you. Jesus has already died for you. God already accepts you. And then, and then our obedience to, to, to the rules, to the law, is, is flowing out of that healthy relationship. So it's not just dead religion. It, it's an obedience that flows out of a good place, a healthy relationship with God, healthy intimacy uh, with God. So the religious person uh, memorizes rules and obeys them as a way to ease their conscience and feel like God owes them something, but then their desires don't change. Their heart doesn't change. Do you guys see the difference? You guys see the difference? The Bible says that God writes his law upon our hearts. You know, the person that's in relationship with God, God writes the law upon their hearts. He changes their hearts, changes their desires, uh, and and obedience is going to flow out of that loving relationship uh, instead of coming from a place of of pride, of, man, I can follow all these rules, and then God owes me, right? That if if I say no to all the right things and yes to all the right things, then God owes me heaven, right? He's got to. At that point, I've got him over the barrel, right? God has to do for me. He has to answer my prayers because I've check, 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 check. No, no, that's not it. Man, God wants to, to know you uh, like a parent knows their child. God wants to know you like a best friend, better than your best friend, closer than your, your, your brother, closer than your closest sibling. You, get, you guys have a brother or sister that you just tell everything to or a mom that you just tell everything to. And God wants to know you better than that, better than that. And then, and then all of the... The religion, the true religion, and the expression of your faith through belief systems and, and the rules you do keep and the way you live, because it does matter, is flowing out of that relationship and not the other way around. It's not, it's not keeping those things to earn a relationship. It's because God loves you and you have a relationship, and I want to do these things to please Him. Relationship is important because it's uh, the overflow of that trust and what He did for us uh, instead of pridefully trusting our own ability to earn God's favor. Uh, those of us who trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross can rest in that relationship with God. They can truly know God and God knows them. Uh, Jesus says in the last days, and this is, man, a sobering, a sobering, humbling, scary passage. Uh, Jesus uh, says in Matthew, in Matthew 7, in the last days, um, there's going to be people that come to God. So they're going to stand before God in judgment and they're going to list all the things that they did. And they did all the right things, right? They're going to say, God, I kept every rule. I kept every rule. I never, I never stole. I never lied. I never, I never did all these kind of things that you're not supposed to do. I, man, I was at church every Sunday. I was at Kyle every Thursday. I was at life group. I went to like all the life groups, even though Matt said you only had to go to one. Uh, man, I did everything. I did miracles in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I did all the right things. And on that day, they're going to stand before God in judgment. And God is going to say, I don't know who you are. Not literally. I mean, God knows everything, but I don't know you. We don't have relationship. Yeah, you did all the right things, but I don't know you. Depart from me. I never knew you. 
said, man, yeah, you did all the right things, but in truth, I never knew you. You never really knew me. For you, it was just empty, hollow religion. And it was just legalism. It was just doing the right things to somehow earn a place with God. But man, the reality is we don't, we don't have a relationship. I don't know you. I mean, that, that is a sobering passage. Uh, because, because the bottom line question, as far as, man, if you're going to go to heaven, are you going to spend eternity forever with God or eternity separated from God? Um, it's a, it's a one-question entrance exam. And you guys had to take a lot of tests to get into college, right? You guys are going to have to take a lot of tests with a lot of questions before it's done. When you stand before God in judgment, right, it's the end of your life and you're standing before God and it's either be with God forever or separated from God forever. It's a one-question exam. Do I know you or depart from me, I never knew you, right? Relationship is key. Because on that day, it's not going to matter what rules you kept or what rules you broke. The ones you kept, man, there's reward for that. The ones you broke, well, thank, thank God there's grace for that and mercy and forgiveness. But all that really matters, does God know you? And do you know him? Do you have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross? Not because you kept all the right rules, but because Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And he already lived the perfect life. We couldn't live it anyway. And then, and then he died a death on the cross uh, where he took the punishment we deserve for everything we've done wrong, everything we will do wrong. And so, so we don't put our trust in our own ability to do good, but we put our trust completely in Jesus and what he already did for us to make us right with God. So we can take that first step into a relationship with God where God can say, you are mine. You're my people forever. You're my son. You're my daughter. When we put our trust in Jesus and what he did for us, God and does a miracle. He adopts us into his family as a son, as a daughter, and we have a relationship with God now forever. That's a relationship we want to maintain. And we come to God uh, in prayer. We read God's word. We, we try to know God better each day. It's not just a one-time prayer we pray because then that just becomes another box to check, right? Oh, prayed that prayer, right? I'm done. I'm good. No, it becomes the beginning of a lifelong relationship. We talked about this in Foundations a uh, week before last. Um, that this is, this is just the wedding day. What comes next is the marriage, right? And in your wedding, you don't, you don't stand up there with your wife and make promises and vows and say, Okay, see you later. We're married now. Uh, I'm going to go do my thing. You go do your thing for the rest of my life. No. No, you're together forever, right? Forever. Um, you know, so, so if putting your trust in Jesus is the wedding day, man, what comes next is the marriage, a lifelong walking with the Lord, a lifelong relationship where you're going to know the Lord more and more each day. You're going to love the Lord more and more each day. Jackie and I got married 11 years ago, and I know her a lot better now than I did in 2005. Right? I know her a lot better now than I knew than when we met in 2001-ish. 2001. Uh, my brain's having to, having to go way back. Um, yeah, in August of 2001, when we met, I didn't know her at all. She was cute, but I didn't know her at all. So fast forward 15 plus years, I know her a lot better now. I certainly love her a ton more now. Um, and that's how it should be with your relationship with God. You know him more each day. You love him more each day. You're wanting to, to obey him, wanting to please him. Uh, not to earn your place with him, but because he loves you for all that he's done for you, just in response, God, man, I want to I I I serve you, I want to please you, I want to live a life that honors you because you've already done so much for me. And, and that, that's the question. God says, do I know you? Or sadly, and I hope for nobody in this room, depart from me, I never knew you. And when Jesus died on the cross, the old religious system uh, for entering into a relationship with God was changed forever. So that, that day, man, we read about in Exodus, that day the people stood before 
the mountain and it's shaking and it's loud and they're terrified and they say, just give us rules to follow and we'll be good. We, we, don't, want, we don't want closeness with all of this. Um, when Jesus steps into the picture, that changes forever because God, God did give them rules to follow. He gave them a system where their sins could be dealt with through sacrifice. He gave them, he gave them rules to follow, but when Jesus steps in, he changes it forever. And I'm just going to, again, that, that could be a whole, a whole study, a whole series unto itself of all the things man, man, that, that are fulfilled and completed in Jesus. But I'm going to just touch on one uh, as our kind of takeaway example and close out with this tonight. Um, so one of the interesting things about the temple of God, uh, the, you know, God, God's people want to, want to build a temple for him, and specifically David has a heart that, uh, and we see that the, these other nations have temples to worship their God. God, you live in a tent. Not literally, God didn't live in the tent, but they had a tent uh, where, where they kept I mean, some of the sacred artifacts of the Jewish people, and God's presence dwelt there, and, and David says, man, I want to build a temple for you. And, and God says, I'm going to have your son Solomon do it, uh, and gives them the instructions of what that temple should look like. And part of the instructions for that temple, uh, there, there's an outside area where people can come and gather. There's an inside area where the, the priests go, and, and they, they make their sacrifices, and they pray their prayers, and they do their priestly things. And then there's a super, super inside area that nobody can go. Nobody can go. The Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwells. Where, where once a year, and a priest could step into, uh, you know, and, 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 and pray uh, and make atonement for the people. He'd be there before, before these artifacts, the Ark of the Covenant and the things that are inside of them. Uh, and, and once a year, uh, but this place is holy and no one can step into it where God's presence would rest. And, and, and people were separated from that. A massive curtain hung between uh, the, this holy of holies, the sacred area, and the rest of the temple. A massive, tall, thick curtain that kind of separated. Okay, and we said, God, God, we want you at a distance. And, and, and God says, God says, okay, well, there, there's this curtain here because uh, because of your sinfulness, your fallenness, because of my holiness, and we, we can't be close. You're going to die. Uh, so we have this curtain here of separation. Um, when the, the eyewitnesses are recording uh, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and lots of wild things happen. Um, but man, one of the really significant things happen is there's an earthquake, and this curtain is torn from top to bottom. Really tall curtain, right? No, no one's reaching up there. Uh, there's an earthquake, and this curtain is torn from top to bottom. Basically, this religious system that kept God at a, at a distance because of what Jesus did, um, and that's torn into, you know, we can enter into personal relationship with God. We can step into God's presence because of what Jesus did for us. You know, whereas before we would be you know, unclean, unworthy, we couldn't even stand before God and live because of what Jesus did. We can have a personal, intimate relationship with God, be in the presence of God, whatever you want, whatever you want. And in your dorm room, in your apartment, in your car. And you can, you can come before God in prayer and instantly be in the presence of God. Better than that. Uh, when we put our faith in Jesus, God comes and lives in us and through us by His Holy Spirit. And you don't get any closer than that, right? You don't get any nearer than that. God says, I'm not going to be in a, in a separate room that no one can go into, that you can't even look into. Um, but then when Jesus dies on the cross, that curtain is torn. And Jesus says, now I'm going to live uh, in you and through you and be with you forever. Um, this is the distinction. This is the difference from empty relationship, or I'm sorry, empty religion and rules and legalism and closeness and intimacy and relationship. And so, there's, in, in the next two weeks, we're going to kind of build on these ideas. Um, Jack, you see next week about man, what it means to have uh, man, a true, intimate relationship. What does that look like lived, lived down in life? You've got some 
um, in scripture she's going to look at for that. Uh, and, and then in two weeks, I'm going to talk about, man, okay, so uh, the religion isn't, isn't an invention of man. It is, it is something God delivered. What does true religion look like? You know, so we talked about, man, true, true religion is, is paired with faith, with faith, with the relationship with God. And what is the true religion that God wants for our lives uh, really going to look like? That'll be in two weeks. Um, but I mean, for the takeaway for tonight, kind of what I, what I want you guys to be thinking about tonight. Um, you know, is Christianity a religion? And of course it is. And it's got a belief system. It's got rules. Um, but these rules and traditions should never be emphasized over having a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal walk with the Lord. Um, when we make it all about the rules, we totally miss it. We totally miss it. This is, this is where the religious people of Jesus' day totally missed it. If you just make it about the religion, just make it about the rules, uh, you missed it. You've got to pursue Jesus first. Uh, you've got to really know the Lord through Jesus, and you've got to let Him change your heart. Amen? So I want to have a chance to, to, to pray for you guys. Um, because I'm not preaching this as a guy who gets this right all the time, right? Uh, man, it is so easy for me to slip into it just being about the rules, just about doing the right things trying to stay away from the wrong things, uh, and getting so busy that the relation side gets crowded out by my, by my busy schedule, all this stuff I'm doing for God, right? Get me. Uh, I mean, I don't get it right all the time. And I, I need to repent. I need to come before God and say, God, man, I, I miss it. It's about relationship. It's about walking with you and really knowing you. And I've gotten really caught up in all this stuff um, and following all the rules and God, I'm sorry. But if you guys bow your heads, let's just, let's just come before the Lord and pray and see how He'd have us respond to this. God, I thank you for your word, for the truth of Scripture. Holy Spirit, help our hearts to respond to it correctly. God, we see this picture of the human heart that wants to keep you at arm's length. God, and we know that deep down that's what we want to do too. We want to be independent. We want to do our own thing. But God, apart from you, we're, we're lost, we're hopeless, there's no life, there's no peace. God, we're, we're guilty because of everything we've done wrong. God, we need you. We need a relationship with you. We need to be saved. We need to be forgiven. Holy Spirit, would you work on our hearts? Would you give us a deep desire to know you closely, personally, intimately, God? To not be content to keep you at arm's length, but that we would desire all of you that we can have. All of you, God, that we can have. God, knowing that you're not holding yourself back from us, that if you want to put in limitations on this relationship with us, God, change our hearts, let us throw off the limitations, say, God, you come and have your way in me, do what you want in my life, come and invade as much of my life as you want. Every part. If our life is a house, we throw open every door, every cabinet, every window, every closet. God, come and fill all of it. Do what you please in our life. Would you please? As our heads are bowed, if there's anyone in here that says, I don't know that I have a relationship with God. I don't know God the way you described, but I want to. I believe that God is real and I want to know Him like you talked about. Right now I don't really know Him, but I want to know Him. I want, I want to ask God to forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. I want to put my trust in Jesus and what He did. If that's anyone here tonight, say, yeah, I want to. I want to pray that tonight. Can you guys raise your hand so I can pray with you? Anybody want to pray that tonight? Thank you. I see those hands. Three or four. Just again, with your, your head bowed and maybe you didn't want to raise your hand, but you still want to pray along in your heart. And when you pray this prayer, 
Um, and God is faithful. He does forgive you. He does cleanse you. He makes you clean, like the song that Anna sung earlier. Totally clean, free of guilt and shame forever. And we can have a relationship with God that will last us for eternity. You guys pray along with me in your heart. You've never prayed this prayer before. Um, you pray and mean it tonight. God will save you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. We believe Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross for our sins. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, God, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. Jesus, would you be our Lord? Would you help us to, to live for you, to obey you, to serve you from this day forward? God, would you transform us? Would you make us new? Would you come live in us and through us by your Holy Spirit? And transform our hearts so we would have a desire to know you, to be in a relationship with you, to pursue you and know you better each day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you prayed kind of meant it uh, for the first time tonight, um, let me tell you that, that, that your eternity has been radically transformed. That where, where you were a stranger from God, now you're a son, you're a daughter. You're adopted into the family of God. You can know God. You can have a relationship with Him. And you can spend eternity in Him when this life on earth is over. Those of you that, that say, man, I've I prayed that prayer. I've been a Christian a while, but man, I've definitely let slip the relationship aspect. And, and, and too, too often, too much, it's just been about the rules. It's just been about doing and saying the right things and staying away from the wrong things and, and, and the things I could do for God. Um, and I don't want to put the emphasis on, on relationship and intimacy with God. And I don't want to put that emphasis in its right place. Um, and all of us, to some degree, to pray that. And I pray that you guys would, would, would agree along with me in your hearts. Father God, God, we want to know you. It doesn't matter what stuff we do. If we don't really know you and have a relationship with you, God. God, I pray that it wouldn't be true of any of us when we stand before you in judgment. You would say, depart from me. I never know you. God, we want to know you. We want to have a relationship with you. God, would you reveal yourself to us? If we're having trouble trusting you, trouble believing that you're there, God, would you reveal yourself to us by your Holy Spirit? God, we want to see you. We want to perceive you. We want to know you more. God, help us to love you with all of our heart. God, change our desires. And God, I pray that we would each have a healthy relationship with you, that our obedience would flow out of that healthy relationship with you. God, we love you. God, we love you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Amen. Amen. So I said at the end we pray for anyone that has particular issues. Um, and, and you don't have to say what they are. Uh, if you say, Matt, I would like special prayer. I've got a school situation or I have a health situation or a family situation or a relationship situation I'd like special prayer for. You can just stand up where you're at and I'm going to have the people around you are going to come and pray for you. Say, I would like special prayer. I need healing. I need a financial miracle. I need a scholastic grade miracle. Okay, so you guys see, if you guys that uh, are not standing, can gather around those that they are. Um, let's say, uh, guys with guys, girls with girls. And if you just lay a hand on their shoulder, um, you can ask them, how can I pray for you? And we're going to pray and believe God to work in whatever that situation is.